Welcome to this week's edition of the Coaches Chat. I'm John Serenitas, and I'm joined this week by Ross Jatkola, head football coach at Barnstable High School. Coach, how are you this evening? I'm doing well, Coach. Thank you for having me. Well, hey, man, thanks for taking the time. Really appreciate it. And uh, let's just jump right into it. Uh, obviously, you, you took over a, a program that's steeped in tradition and history and had a lot of success for a long time. Uh, you took over, I believe, three years ago, correct? Yeah, so going, going, into my, your, going into my fourth season. Yeah. yeah. So uh, first things first, talk a little bit about yourself and how you, you got into coaching and, and, and what led you to Barnstable High School. Um, good question. Like I said, we're going into my fourth year here at Barnstable and my 14th year coaching overall. And I was thinking, you know, before we came on, you know, what got me into coaching? Um, and I was lucky enough to play at the university at Albany, uh, division one program. And I think my passion for the game stemmed back to, you know, just playing in the backyard with my dad. And, uh, my dad was, a, you know, a passionate guy, competitive guy. He actually played in the, in the Cape league. He was a baseball player. So that was his main sport. I don't know what drew me to football, but it was just something that, that I always loved. I loved going to the high school games, loved the, the atmosphere, the band playing, um, and just knew that I wanted to make that a part of my life and how I was going <laughs> to make a living or, or raise a family doing football. I wasn't sure, but I knew I wanted a part of my life. So my journey started when I was 21 coaching. Uh, I took the offensive line job and, and tight ends job at uh, Salve Regina University, which isn't a bad place for a 21-year-old guy. To no, be. not at all. <laughs> um, and had two great years there, um, coaching for a nice young staff. Um, learned a lot on how to build a program, uh, the recruiting process. Um, now, were you, know, were you there the with Bob Chesney? I was there with Chris Robertson. Gotcha. Uh, for the two years. And then Chesney came in right after that. Um, but was able to learn a lot from coach. Um, actually coached with um, my tight ends coach from the University of Albany, Nick Lafontaine. That was the connection to Salve. He had taken the offensive coordinator job there and asked me to come along and coach the offensive line. He's now the head coach at Trinity Pauling. And Nick was a mentor of mine and a very good friend. And like I said, had two great years there. And then I actually took a hiatus from coaching and uh, spent a year in South Korea um, teaching English. Uh, I was young, jumped at the opportunity. That's like the hiatus. Yeah, and wanted to just travel the world a little bit. And, um, you know, thought I was young enough to do something like that where we weren't tied down to anything and, and had a great experience there. I thought that helped me mold myself as a teacher and an educator and as a human being for sure. And then when I came back to the Cape, uh, being a Cape guy, I jumped on the staff with uh, Paul Funk at Dennis Yarmouth, um, where I played and, and was lucky enough to play for Coach Funk. And uh, we had a really successful six-year run there, uh, Played, in, uh, coached in two state championship games. One we were lucky enough to win. The other one we lost by two to a good Doherty team um, and learned a ton about, you know, I was there when Coach Funk got to Dennis Yarmouth and just the blueprint he made to how to create a successful program is something I take with me everywhere I go and um, establishing the weight room culture, um, making the connection with the youth program and just how he took a program that was on the verge of demise. You know, we were, we were about to 
pull the plug on the whole thing. I don't know if you remember that or not. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, the combination. You did a phenomenal job there to turn that yeah. program around. And Coach Funk, of course, had coached at Everett previously. Yep. And so for him, it was a completely different world to go down there. But to your point, he had a blueprint on how to turn it around. Right. And the combination of him and Joe Jamil, I think, was huge because Joe had started the youth program um when I was in seventh grade and I was a part of that first team so he was coach was seeing the first cycle of youth players coming through and him and Joe together just created a, you know an awesome program where they were teaching all the way up from you know eight years old all the way up to 18 the kids were learning the same system so making sure everywhere I went we were trying to create that same vertical alignment with with the youth program um and then like I said just the weight room culture that they created it keeps them competitive every year um and after six years there, I uh, wanted to test the waters as a head coach and took the job at Monomoy Regional in Harwich, um, which is Monomoy and Chatham, and really enjoyed my time there. Uh, had a great group of kids, great community to coach in, very supportive school, um, but was lucky enough to get an opportunity. At, only after one year there, one of my good friends, David Dykeman, who's the head coach at Cheshire Academy in Cheshire, Connecticut, mm -hmm offered me a position to come down to Cheshire. Um, and I was running my own business. I owned a strength and conditioning facility here on the Cape. And, um, you know, running a business on the Cape isn't isn't so easy with the uh, seasonal right. uh, change. So, you know, you're chasing your tail in the winter to, to pay the bills and stuff like that. And you have great summers. And, you know, just looking for something a little bit more steady and the opportunity to go to, to Cheshire was, was awesome. And um, to coach some tremendous athletes, I think, my first year there, we placed, I think, 11 kids on D1 rosters just in that graduating class. Um, so, you know, some of them are in the NFL now. Some are going to be in the NFL in the next couple of years. Some some big names in college football. So learned a ton from David. Like I said, he's been a mentor for me for a long time on the on the recruiting process on on the high school end. You know how to get kids placed, how to make relationships, maintain relationships make sure we're setting the kids up for the best future that we can. Um, and then when the Barnstable job opened, um, it was hard not to, to jump at it at being a Cape guy and growing up, like I said, you know, watching high school games and the atmosphere that Barnstable had and, and what I thought Cape Cod football is. I think, I think it's kind of uh, underestimated a little bit at times. And yeah, I would agree. I think, you know, just being at a, at a big program on the Cape to, to showcase our kids and, and take this program, uh, like you said, with a huge tradition, a um, lot of successful years, and, and um, I'm lucky enough to be here and going into my fourth year. Now, of course, we played this past fall two season. How would you describe the fall two season for the Barnstable football program? Obviously, we all have a lot of different stories about what happened, uh, how many players ended up in COVID protocol, canceling games, rescheduling games, and whatnot. Each coach has their own story. But how did the fall two season play out for you guys? The fall two season, I think the best way to describe it was like a roller coaster of emotions. Um, you know, we were – I think we were all on the edge of our seats waiting to see if we were going to play football at all. And when we finally got the opportunity to play – you get that high, you know, and, and right. kids are excited. The community's excited. The, the school's excited. You know, we were so fired up to get back out there. There was snow on the ground and we were practicing in a parking lot, you know, and uh, 
the, just everything about it was great, you know, and, and we talked a little bit, you know, before we came on about the old school mentality and, and pounding the rock and that. And there, there's no better thing to say than we were practicing in a parking lot. Right. Um, yeah. and, and you were pounding the rock in the parking lot. Exactly. exactly. So that was that was awesome. And then we were only allowed uh, our district only allowed us to play Cape teams in all our sports. So basketball, soccer football we were only allowed to play the cape team so that's only three teams uh it's us uh well four th uh dennis armith nosset and falmouth are in our league so we had six scheduled we were going to play every team twice and going into the first nosset game we had um a positive case and had to shut down and then that turned into you know some other stuff so we ended up losing our first three games uh which was miserable wow. And just, you know, jumping on Zoom calls with the kids and you keep delivering bad news to them. And But you're trying to keep them focused on the bigger picture. You're trying to give the seniors a memorable experience because they worked so hard for this opportunity to get to this point. And that was one of our main focuses is how can we give the seniors something that that they'll remember forever? So we ended up playing the, the last three games. So we played everyone once instead of everyone twice. And we had a really good group um, and, we, and we were pretty successful. We ended up three, and um and played some good football. And I think the seniors will, will remember those moments, you know? Oh, absolutely. And that's who you ultimately did it for. I mean, at the end of the day, there were critics and there were people that said, you know what, why are we playing this, this fall two season and, and you're interrupting the spring season and, you know, you're only doing it for a handful of games. And of course, each league had their, their own setup. Some leagues, like I know at, at, at KP where I coached, we played seven games and then other leagues only played four and the base day league only played five. So each league kind of had their own thing. Like you mentioned, you know, you guys were only allowed to play Cape teams. Now, when it comes to Barnstable High School, obviously we talked about the tradition before we went live. Every coach when they take over a program obviously wants to put their own fingerprint on it. And when you took over the program, what was your philosophy in terms of getting this program? It, the program has always been competitive, but as you know, there's always that next level. Mm -hmm. So when you took over, what did you feel you needed to do and what did your staff needed to do to take this program to the next level? Uh, that's a good question. And, you know, I wanted to, when I took over, I remember having a meeting with the kids and the parents and saying, I wanted to hold on to the tradition. You know, I didn't want to come in and make a splash and, and change everything. So it was, we're going to keep the same tradition that Barnstable's had, you know, it's just a new era, we said, you know, and we were lucky enough my first year to have a really good quarterback in Matt Peter Kuski um, and some good receivers Um and, and a good nucleus to build on. And we were spread. They were spread. I wanted to keep some continuity for them. Um, I knew we had to build a weight room culture. You know, everywhere I've been, I feel like uh, that's the most important thing. And when I had gotten there, they, they had not had a coach for a while. The interview process, you know, in between um, um, Chris leaving and, and then the next season starting was a long time. And the kids kind of felt um, – lost a little bit you know so i showed up at the weight room there wasn't any kids there you know and then the, you know the next day there's four kids and it was you know hey bring a buddy tomorrow that'll be eight and then if all those guys bring a buddy that'll be 16 and then if all those guys bring a buddy that's 32 and it was just i'm gonna show up every day the coaches are gonna show up every day so you don't have an excuse not to show up and 
just the commitment to the program and the commitment to success and commitment to the weight room was definitely the imprint I wanted to make. And we talked about as a staff and it's been really great. You know, that summer after that, those four kids, that first day, we were up to 75, 80 kids um, on any given session. Um, and it's kind of stayed pretty consistent. We started a powerlifting club in the winter that's that was booming. We went and competed at, at a couple of competitions before COVID. And um, even, you know, the, the first thing the kids say when the season ends is, you know, coach, can when can we get back in the weight room? Because they've seen the success uh, that that it, it's given them and, and the confidence that it gives them. And that's kind of the, the biggest imprint I wanted to make. And then um, kind of creating a system where we can have success year in and year out, you know, um, develop a relationship with the youth program, uh, do as much as I can with the youth program to make sure those kids are, are learning our system. So they step right in and they're not missing a beat. And, and we've been able to do that as well. So those guys have been awesome at that level. Um, and, and then, yeah, we, we kind of changed, you talked about a little bit, we changed the offense a little bit after that first year and we can get into that, but, um, more so, you know, what are we doing for the kids? What, what are we building here? And, and that's, I think, centered around the weight room. You know, 99% of football is either training or practice. The games are so few. So mm -hmm. can we build a culture outside of just the games, which I think we've been able to do? You know, you mentioned earlier the reputation that, that, that Cape Cod football has and how you want to prove to the rest of the state that, you know what, Cape Cod football is pretty good and we can play with people. And, and certainly mm – -hmm. You have scheduled that way, and you're going to get an opportunity now to prove to the rest of the state that, you know what, Cape football is a big deal. And it's interesting because a few weeks back after the fall two season, my, my first guest was Voldemort Brower, the head coach out at Springfield Central. And, and what you said about Cape football brings me back to my conversation with him and the conversation we had about Western Mass football. And it seems like outside of Eastern Massachusetts, Coaches are really playing with a chip on their shoulders and they're building their programs with that chip on their shoulder because they want to prove that, you know what, the best football in the state isn't necessarily always played inside of 495. Why do you think it's important for you? And as I mentioned earlier, you have scheduled in a way where you want to prove that, hey, you know what, we can play with people. And Barnstable's always played people. You know, I've, I don't ever remember a time when Barnstable's ever really shied away from playing teams. But for you guys, how important is it to prove that, you know what, Cape football is legit. We play some good ball down here. Yeah, I think I think that means the world. I think, you know, being a Cape kid um, who, like I said, played in, you know, in a difficult time at a program and watching that program become, I'd say at their level, one of the premier programs in Dennis Yarmouth. And um, I remember one year we went to uh, the state championship. I think there was four Cape teams playing in Super Bowls that year. And there was still this disrespect, you know. I felt mm -hmm. like every game we went into, Mashpee's had a tremendous yeah, program. Matt Rivera's done a great job run. there. Um, yeah. Ty's had a great run. I think uh, Bourne was in one of the Super Bowls that year. Mm -hmm. I think the, the Islands do a great job. Um, Barnstable's done a great job. Barnstable went to the um, uh, played Everett two years after we went, um, and had a tremendous team and, and showed. I think they were ranked number one in the state for a good period of time. And I think as a Cape guy, you just kind of have that chip on your shoulder, you know? Um, and that's always a priority. And I think, 
yeah, we have we have to schedule the way we have aggressively to to not only prove that we can play at that level, but also to um, make sure that you know we're not one and done in the playoffs every year. You know that when we you know run into a great playoff team, we're battle tested for those games, so we can start going a little bit deeper into the playoffs. So um, between the two of those things, I think that's how we have we have to do it. I think uh, playing in D two South makes you schedule aggressively. Because uh, yeah. of how difficult you have to, to yeah. yeah. Oh, it's a gauntlet. I mean, and now that we're going to the new statewide format, it's going to be even more of a gauntlet. And you got CM and D two now, and of course you got LS Reading, you got Mansfield, Nate KP. I mean, it's a gauntlet. And mm-hmm. if you can get through it, and that was the thing. The two years we went in sixteen and seventeen at King Philip, we knew we were battle tested. D two South was was a bear, and the fact that we had to beat BR back to back years just to get there. Um, I think speaks to to your point that you are battle tested. Now you're also the girls basketball coach at Barnstable, and and talking to you, the gist I get is you have a you're a guy who has a pretty good pulse on your teams, and you're not a guy that gets too high. You're not a guy that ever gets low, and 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 I <laughs> I think I'm pretty spot on with that. But talk yeah. about for you, is there an on off switch going from football season to basketball season? Um. The energy is the same. The energy is the same. And I think you have to, if anyone's going to tell you that they're going to coach those two sports with a different um, attitude or a different approach, then then they're doing it wrong. You know, they're doing one of the teams an injustice. Um, and I ask a lot out of, our, out of our athletes in both sports. And um, I always say, I'm going to give you everything I have, you know, at least meet me halfway, you know, give me, give me effort and energy. That that's you know, and, and in basketball, some nights the, the, the ball's not going in the hoop, you know. But what can we do? We we can play tremendous defense, we can play mm-hmm. with tremendous effort. Yeah, and that, we can rebound and box out. That takes zero talent. And that's the approach we've taken. And I think sometimes if you ask um people that we we play against, they say, you know, you can see the toughness in our girls play, and, and it's a reflection of you know, coaching football and and and, and t- coaching them with that same mentality. So, yeah, and it's interesting because I mean, there's so many coaches that coach football and basketball, whether it be boys or girls. And, and I mean, I've seen it for years. Mike Redding, legendary coach at Mansfield High, also the girls' basketball coach. And you saw that there was no when it came to effort and playing with an edge. You saw that it didn't matter whether he was coaching the football team or, or the girls' basketball team. His teams in both sports played with that edge. And we talk a lot about athletes on our show here. And of course, one of the things we try to do in New England Football Journal is we want to promote athletes, coaches, programs. We feel that that's part of our duty uh, as, as, as a site that covers football in New England. And I've asked every single coach I've had on this show this question, Coach, have kids changed today? You hear a lot about, well, kids have changed. They're not the same as they were 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. In your estimation, have kids changed that much, or do you think they're the same? It's just a different era. I I, I felt this question coming, and I was thinking about it today. You must and have watched the show before, didn't I, you? Yeah, I love it, man. I told you, you th- you're doing a great job for high school football. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I try to keep up with your stuff, and – um. I genuinely, I, I don't think kids have changed when I really sat down and thought about it today, because as soon as we, you know, brought in 
this this discipline, structured style, they love it. They flourish mm-hmm. under that. They love the discipline. They love the hard work. Um, I think I think parents might have changed, you know, and mm-hmm. um, I think just sports in general have changed. You know, I think there's there's different opportunities. I think there's um, kind. Of, I don't want to say the wrong thing, but I, I don't think the kids have changed, especially in my, where I've been. I think that, you know, kids move around, they want to do what's best for them. I think that's new to me, you know, how much kids are jumping around to private schools and things like that. Like when we grew up, you played for your hometown. And um, there's, like I said, there's more opportunities with uh, club teams and trainers. And um, sometimes people, you know, might have an influence on a kid or or how they think or, or how they act. But I think to the core, kids are kids. I think um, I love I love working with high school kids every single day, um, and I think they they love having the structure and the discipline. And that's kind of another reason we've gone to the style of offense and defense that we've gone to is because you see the best in the kids when you do that. Right, and and I think you make a great point about them craving structure and discipline. I mean, I'm a dean of students. I see it. That you know oftentimes people will tread lightly around you if you have a disciplined approach in dealing with young people, but you have to. And I think oftentimes 90% of the time kids are going to respond to that. They may not, they're not going to all respond to it the same way, but they're going to respond to it. And ultimately, yeah, they'll have, they'll have their days where they don't like you or they don't like the way you're dealing with them, but it's never about the short-term view. It's always about the long-term view and in the long run, it's going to benefit them that you're treating them that way and you're providing that structure and that discipline for them. Because, like I said, I think that nowadays people are so into handling young athletes and student athletes and students, period, with kid gloves. And it's like, I think I think just an old school approach, that's a good thing. Having expectations, setting goals being disciplined with them, holding them accountable, being willing to administer discipline. You know, if 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 a kid gets kicked out of a, a of a history class and they mouthed off to the to the teacher, there's nothing wrong with you as as the head football coach saying, you know what, you're sitting a quarter on Friday night. Right. You know, that's not how we do things here. And and I think people oftentimes are so caught up in this idea that, well, you know, uh, you know, you can't. We got to be careful nowadays. We got to do this. We got to. You can't. You can't tippy toe your way through life. Right. At the end of the day, you just you just got to do it your way. And right. and if your way doesn't work for the situation you're in, then that's not the right situation for you. And I know right. that that's easier said than done when it's your job. But but I do. I, I think a lot of people neglect the fact that kids want that. They want structure. They want discipline. I've always said. If 80% of the young people you're going to deal with is either a teacher or a coach like you, you've done your job because it's it's literally impossible for every kid you deal with in either one of those arenas to like you. Right. Okay. They won't. 80% to me is a pretty good number. Very good. Number. But, you know, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I think kids crave it and they want it. Now we've been kind of talking, we've been we've been hinting that we're going to talk some some philosophy here, some offense, some defense. So let's get into it. And of course, I don't, you know, I don't need your line calls or anything else. But obviously, you talked about the shift going from the spread when you had Peter Kosky, a quarterback, again, coached against him in, in 2017 and 18, tremendous athlete, great player. You talk about that shift. That's a pretty big shift going from the spread 
to a to a double wing power style offense. Talk a little bit about that transition and why does this offense work for Barnstable? Yeah, I think um, we had a very good year with Matt, and we had been spread, and um, we made a good run. We won six straight games at one point, which is hard to do. You know that. Mm-hmm. And we ran into – at the end of the year, we went to Mansfield and played a great Mansfield team. And I thought we had a great game plan going in. Some things didn't go our way. Uh, ball bounced the wrong way here or there. And um, just watched, you know, why they were so successful. Then the following week, we all know that consolation game that you're not going to get – what you usually are, especially coming off such a high. We no. had beaten a good Wellesley team. We had hung with a good Mansfield team. And I think we just kind of not lost the kids, but there was, you know, the air had been sucked out of them a little bit. And uh, mm-hmm. we got Brockton at home and Brockton lined up in the eye and pounded it down our throats for four quarters. And I think, you know, the the tailback went for over 300 yards. And the following, uh, then we go into Thanksgiving and we play Falmouth, who's Flexbone, and they had Kyle Connolly, who was an unbelievable athlete. And Connolly goes for 300 yards on us. And it's a, it's a story that I tell people, if you, if you hang around enough, this story always comes up. My son was born, my two-and-a-half-year-old was born the day before Thanksgiving. That year we played Falmouth. So I'm in the hospital. I'm not there on Wednesday. We, I end up going and coaching the game. They run all over us. And I go and sit in, in, the, in the locker room for a few minutes, and I'm like, we've got to change. We just watched three teams pound the ball down our throats late in the year. Um, playing for Coach Funk, we people don't remember this, but we started in this double wing, wing T type, th- type thing when Coach Funk came in. And that's what I knew. That's what I had played in. Um, so I said, how can I make a, a system like that where we can control the line of scrimmage? We can we can get tougher up front. We can control the ball when we need to. What what are the teams running that are in the Super Bowl every year? What are the teams that are running that they're going, you know, making runs in the playoffs? And, and they're running the football. Um, even, you know, CM gets into their double wing. You know, King mm-hmm. Phillip runs the football. Um, you know, you watch these Super Bowl games at Gillette and the successful teams are, are, are running the football late in the season. So had to had to create an offense that I was familiar with where we could create that toughness and, and pound the rock and control. And, and I went back to the hospital with my laptop and my wife and, and newborn son were there and I redesigned everything on huddle. Um, and we kind of went towards this double wing, hybrid wing T type approach that we're Mm -hmm. taking now um and actually even going for if you look at the numbers from from the first year i was there and in the spread where we were throwing the ball a ton to what we've done the last two years offensively our numbers are way up um whether it's yards per game uh points per game our overall record has improved we changed it all the way down to the youth level and all their records improved right away we two teams went to the to this uh super bowl and, and at the youth level um, so it proved to us that it was successful and, and we're going to stick with it to, you know, to a certain extent. I think we got to throw the ball a little bit more than we did this year, but um, it's all built in to, to that system. Well, Coach Dana Olson checked in. We had Coach Olson on a couple of weeks ago. Uh, yeah. Dale and Dana Olson, of course, are over at Milford High School, did a tremendous job this year over at Milford. Uh, keep grinding, Coach. Coach Olson, thanks for checking in, sir. Always appreciated. And that's what it's about. Right. I mean, when you go to this style of play, 
and you emphasize the weight room, it is about grinding it out. It is about being physical. And let's face it, I remember in the 90s, everybody and their mother ran the wing tee. And mm-hmm. because and then they, all of a sudden you get the DVDs and you get the books and you get the clinics and the wing tee was huge. And, and then, of course, there were a lot of programs that ran it that had success. Wellesley, Marshfield, just to name a couple. There were others. Um, but they had a lot of success running the wing tee. And if you weren't big, physical, didn't have that tailback that you can hand the ball off to 25, 30 times a game, if you couldn't be a nine team, you wanted to be a wing T team because the truth is the eye doesn't give you the, the, the level of misdirection that the wing T does. And, of course, now I think it's been flipped on its head. Now it's the, the spread to me is this generation's wing T. Everybody wants to run the spread. Everybody wants to play fast. Everybody wants an athlete at quarterback. Everybody wants to hold up the signs. Everybody wants to hand signal and do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's all good. And it works for a lot of people. And, and, and I've always said, if you've got the pieces and you can run it year in and year out, there probably is no better offense to run. Because if you have athletes that can make plays in space, you're not going to sit in eye right, eye left and run power. You're going to you want to get those guys the ball. Right. And, and so I get the allure of the spread. But I also feel in many ways, and, and I'm going to come off as a jerk when I say this, but I also feel in many ways now that the spread, and you especially you see this in college football, the spread now, it's just, I, for lack of a better term, I almost feel like it's a lazy man's offense now. Everybody's running it. Oh, yeah, well, well we're, we're taking over at this program. Well, let's run the spread. Well, you, you know, to me, I think there's something to be said for what you said, Coach, which is you want to develop a culture. And mm-hmm. physicality is is the the great equalizer in football if you're physical because i don't care what anybody says i mean i've coached lacrosse i've coached track there's no sport physically speaking that that matches up to football physicality is an integral part of the game and if you can marry your weight room to what you're doing schematically you're going to build a pretty good football program i can tell you this that's the reason why we've had the success we've had at kp and why brian lee turn that program around. It's because we said we're going to we're gonna lift, we're going to eat weights, and we're going to run the ball. We're going to play physical. We're going to play fast on defense. We're going to win a three-phase game. And mm-hmm. it's worked for us. And I, and this is one of the things I love about what you're doing. You're doing the same thing. Right. And that that's just, you know, what we talked about, the, the, the blueprints of success of watching these teams. And, and exactly what you said is kind of another reason why I love what we're doing. You know, it's everyone's running the spread. What are we doing all summer? We're covering the spread in seven on sevens. You know, no one's lining up against the wing tee for the next two months, you know, and working on how are we going to cover that within the rules, right? We're also, we can't recruit kids. You know, we have to deal, we work with what we have. We can always be strong because we can, you know, commit to the weight room and we can always be physical. And if you're not recruiting a great quarterback that can get the ball out to those athletes or you're recruiting athletes all over the field, you know, how can you be successful? And it's within a system, you know, and and we're starting to see that going into year four. The kids believe in the system. They know the plays coming in. It's not, you know, a reinstall every year. And you have a very selfless uh, offense, you know, where mm-hmm. multiple kids are touching the ball. You know, we're not lining up an eye where we're just pounding the kid all night. Um, it's a different way of pounding the rock, but it's it's getting the ball to everyone and, um, we've had, I mean, we've had two pretty good receivers in the first two years that we've run, ran this. And if you watch them blocking, knowing they're not getting the ball a ton, 
you've seen that the kids are buying into the system. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. they, they yeah. downfield blocking, pancake blocking, getting to safeties. And it, and, it, and it was really awesome to see and not have a kid run over to the sideline and ask why he's not getting the ball. You know, he's just going to do his job every single time. Um, and I think it might be more difficult because everyone's in spread to, to defend the offense these days, you know? Um, well, so I think that's a great point. Yeah, and I think that's a great point. And that's one of the things we've talked about, which is people aren't – people don't practice against what we run, and they don't want to. And, mm -hmm. and oftentimes, even if – you know, obviously when we go into a game, they'll prepare for us. But the, the level of physicality, we know – that they're not going to practice physically the way we play. They'll show them their plays. Yeah, oh, they run power, they run taunts, they run trap, they run dive, whatever. But physically, they're not going to match our physicality the way they practice. And I think that's such a big part of it. And, and the beauty, and I coached in the wing tee for years. The beauty of the wing tee is I remember one year when I was at Franklin High, I mean, we rushed for 2,500 yards and we had like four dudes with over 500 yards. And then we had another kid with like 750. And so, to your point, yeah, you can get a lot of people the ball just like you can in the spread in theory. Same thing with the wing tee, but I think the difference is in the wing tee, you're getting them the ball in a way that works for high school football, which I think is important. Yeah, I agree 100%. So, obviously, everything's changing this fall. We're going to a statewide play statewide playoff. The much ballyhooed, desired, everybody wanted to – the, the statewide playoff. We'll see, by the way, how much people love the statewide playoff if they have to drive to the middle of nowhere in round one to, to play a playoff game. We'll see how much they wanted that. But that's a whole nother conversation. Talk a little bit about the 2021 season for Barnstable. Who are some what are your expectations for one? And who are some players that we should keep an eye on? Um, like I said, we we've got a really uh awesome schedule. Um, so we're just excited for week one right now, you know, and that's kind of how we approach every summer is, you know, we, we hammer, you know, who that week one opponent is and we're at Brockton, you know, and Brockton with their rich tradition and, and playing and their stadium is something that we'll feed off of, you know, in the weight room all summer. Um, on our end, we returned, uh, Eugene Jordan, who's our, our fullback and he was the Cape and Islands player of the year. He was a uh, Boston Herald, all scholastic, Boston Globe, honorable mention. Um, and I think to run this offense, you need that fullback. You yep. know that. And uh, having Eugene back is like, you know, his third year starting at that spot um, makes me sleep better at night for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and then we're returning the the quarterback, Gibson Guimond, who stepped in and, and did a really nice job. Really athletic kid, tough kid. Again, another uh, kid who's committed to the weight room. Um, we have a really good defensive line, and, and Patrick O'Neill, Aiden Canty, and Colby Murbeck are all returning uh, that were starters for us last year uh, on the D-line. Um, so we have a good amount of kids coming back off this successful spring season that we had, and they're all right back to work. You know, we had 45, 50 kids in the weight room today. Um and all those kids were in there. And, and when baseball and lacrosse end, the, the, the other crop will come back in. So we're excited about the group. Um, like I said, we'll probably have to find a way to pass the ball a little bit more successfully. Um, but I think we have the right pieces in place to, to do that. Now, finally, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about wrestling. We talked about <laughs> this before we went live. Yeah. And I told you we can do a wrestling segment. So I'd like to do a wrestling segment 
to wrap it up. So obviously you're a big wrestling fan. I'm a big yeah. wrestling fan. It's hard for me because I try not to talk wrestling on my on my Twitter handle as, as much as I do, but just because yeah. I don't want to I don't want people to not take us serious because I'm sitting there talking about how great Kenny Omega is and how he's a better heel than Roman Reigns. But I, I've been a wrestling fan my whole life. I can't help yeah. it. So we got Hell in the Cell on Sunday. <laughs> Big pay-per-view on the road to SummerSlam. Yeah. Just some thoughts about what's going on in wrestling right now, and maybe we can get some um, some predictions. Oh, uh, I, I I knew you – I know you're not a Roman Reigns guy. and it, I just it, don't buy the heel angle with him. That's oh. all. You what? I just I think they've done a bad job of packaging him as a heel. That's my issue. Yeah. I think he could be a good heel, but yeah. my two issues with it is one, you you should have changed his entrance theme from the beginning. You should right. have changed his look. And Paul Heyman's one of the greatest mouthpieces of all time. And he's this concierge. He's handing him the microphone. He's handing him the belt. I'm like, you've got Paul Heyman. Yeah, let him do some work. Let him talk. So yeah. I, I'm not crazy about it. Yeah, I love Roman Reigns. There's just something about him. And I love the guys that that played football, you know. And yeah, Roman I do too. Um, I'm, I'm definitely more of an old school guy. Um, I don't know if you've been watching the stuff like A&E's been doing. And, oh, fantastic. Uh, I watched all of them. doing is, is, is tremendous, you know, the biographies that they've been doing. And so I was a huge Goldberg guy, Ultimate Warrior. Um, those type of guys. I, I'm falling off a little bit. You know, I'll, I'll – I'll, try to watch the hell in a cell and i'll try you know i'll definitely watch wrestlemania um but this group yeah i i i definitely i know a lot of people don't like them but i'm a big roman reigns guy i can't not like them for some reason and uh um i think lashley i think lashley's awesome um i like the little uh spinoff they're doing with him now with mvp and um i like what they're doing so excited to see that stuff and i think um what's his name there that that he's uh he's going against um oh, drew mcintyre drew mcintyre i think is tremendous um the scottish like, warrior yeah i love uh i love his whole thing i didn't love the sword through the table i thought that was a little corny but it's a um, little corny yeah yeah, yeah. wwe i will say they they do tend to lose you you know this whole alexa bliss thing is a complete turnoff i yeah, think that, that's yeah that's absurd um, not a big NXT guy. Never really got an NXT. I know that NXT kind of has a cult following, a little bit almost like ECW. Um, yep. Really, really like AEW though. It's been a right. nice. It's been a. It's been. It's been nice. The matches are unbelievable. The, the gimmicks and the characters are great. It's been kind of a nice. I don't know how. I, how do I put this? It's been kind of a nice alternative. Yeah, and I, I saw you tweeting about that, so I'm more intrigued to watch more AEW. And I think the familiarity, the the Jim Ross voice, you know what I mean, bring oh, yeah. a little bit of nostalgia at the same time um, yeah. with these blue faces. They killed him. Good job. What's that? They killed him. <laughs> so it's it's hard not to like AEW. Um, yeah. Even when WCW was at its like heights, I was still a WWE guy, WWF guy. But this this AEW thing is fun for sure. Yeah, and you know what I love about it, and and I was a little late to the party. I didn't get into them the first year, but what I love about it is the matches are unbelievable. They've mm -hmm. got great talent there, um, and and you mentioned it. You know, I think so much of the product is dependent upon the announcers. I mean, you could say that about any any sport. And when you have Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, Excalibur, who's terrific, I think on the mic. I mean, Jim Ross is the goat. I mean, he could. Yeah. I I could listen to Jim Ross call anything. You know, I mean, I could listen to Jim Ross talk about me going to the refrigerator. He's going to get a seltzer, yeah. you know, and it's like, 
<laughs> you know, and the guy's great. So he is great. Um, it, it's and it's a fun product. And I think Kenny Omega right now, along with Don Callis, who's managing him, I think he's crushing it. I think he's the best heel yeah. in the business. It's an old school heel gimmick. I mean, my favorite wrestler of all time is Ric Flair. I love Ric Flair, okay. dirtiest player in the game. Yep. That to me, Roddy Roddy Piper, those are those are great heel gimmicks, and we yes. don't have enough of that nowadays. Mister Perfect, that was another great heel gimmick. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. but but I feel like now it's almost become a little too real life. Yep. Um, some of them wrestle under their real names, and there's the backstage storylines and all this other crap. Give me the in ring <laughs> product. Right. I want to be entertained. I don't care what they're talking about in the back. Right. And that's that, that, that. To me, when they when they yeah, let's go to the back, it's like they might as well be like, let's walk through a high school hallway and see what the teenagers <laughs> are talking about. Who cares? I agree. I agree. <laughs> you know? yeah, I, I just, I just want the is, It's about the the in ring stuff, the announcers, and that stuff. I mean, you don't want to use you know, the word fake, but it, it makes it more fake when you when you do that backstage. Right. Stuff. You know, you want to see right. the product for sure. And it does amaze me. You know, people will say, I mean, you're 46 years old. You still watch the stuff? Yeah, it's entertaining. You know what? What, what else am I going to watch? I'm not a Netflix guy. I'm not a guy that's going to binge watch anything. For me, I, if I'm not watching the four major sports networks or ESPN, uh, there's very few shows that interest me. I'm not a big TV guy. So wrestling is great entertainment. You mm -hmm. sit there. You pass the time by. You, 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 it's funny. I mean, they're hilarious. They are hilarious. You, you get a yuck out of it. You get into the storylines a little bit, like with Range. You know, here we are, two grown men, and we're like, I don't know if I like this heel. Like, <laughs> it's the it's the man. That That's how I say it. It, it is, yeah. But, uh, when people try to say stuff like that, I'm like, well, you watch movies that aren't real or, or shows that are, are acting. <laughs> right. This is our this is our version of that for sure. Right. Oh, I have friends that are into movies, and I'm like, okay, you, well, you know, that's fake, right? That's right. not real. I mean, exactly. you know, contrary to what you think, uh, you know. Man, I'm a huge Batman guy, but Batman's not real. So there's not really real. no difference between watching a Batman movie in many ways and wrestling. Well, Coach, this was a lot of fun tonight. Uh, I'm glad that you had some time to uh, join me. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, following you guys, see how you guys do this season. And uh, hopefully we can catch up on the field. If not, right. I'd love to do this again down the road. Thank you very much. And like I said before, I really appreciate what you're doing for, for football in general, um, but especially in New England and in Massachusetts. So. Uh, this was an honor to be on here, and, and I thank you very much. Well, thank you very much, Coach. I really appreciate your time, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care, Coach. All right. Thanks, Coach. Well, I'll do it for this week's Coach's Chat. Until next week, I'm John Serenitas. Peace.